Hello, everybody, and welcome once again. As we continue on in the study that we're doing through the New Testament, we're going through it a chapter at a time. Uh, right now, we're work, working through the book of Luke together. We're going to be in Luke chapter 16 today. When we're done with the book of Luke, we'll be moving into the book of Acts. And uh, we've already done Matthew and Mark and John. So uh, we're making good progress with a big chunk of the New Testament here. Um, Luke, just as a quick reminder, and it's, it's good to hear stuff over and over again because sometimes without realizing it, it plants itself in your brain and, and it's there and you didn't realize it. Like, um, you may now... Uh, well, one thing everybody should know is who, who wrote the book of Luke? Luke. All right, well, that's how you never know. Who did he write it to? Theophilus. Theophilus means lover of God. See how much you picked up? That's good. What other book in the Bible did Luke write? Acts. Okay, very good. Luke was a historian. Um, he uh, was very detailed in his uh, recording of events. He was like a, uh, almost like an investigator, if you would. He really dug deep into uh, the history and situations to find out what was going on and to, to put together as clear a picture as he could. For Theophilus, the book of Luke has a uh, is sort of written to Gentiles, and that uh, throughout Luke and Acts, the the questions about how to get saved and what it's all about are posed by Luke in in various formats and in various illustrations and stories. And like Matthew and Mark and John, to some extent, we have seen that uh, Jesus burst onto the scene, and he sort of began to um, unteach, if you would, the, the burden that the Pharisees has put on the people. And he did that with all sorts of things, but mostly comments like, you've heard it said, but I say to you. And, and that the Pharisees, a, uh, a group of people, uh, religious leaders, had sort of moved away from the heart of the message of God, which was a message of love. And, and a message of connection and relationship. And they had made it impossible for people to come to God. And Jesus uh, took on this entire process to let people know that God was for them, that God loved them, and that ultimately he had come to make a way for them to be reconciled to God. And that he would ultimately go to the cross on our behalf to pay for and cover sin. That... Uh, we might be able to, uh, again, be in relationship with God. And so, Jesus has, um, in, in these last chapters that we've been looking at, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, all these chapters, that, that a lot of the point in some of those chapters has been that you have to choose. You have to make a choice. And Jesus kept putting it on. They have to choose. Who, who do the people say I am? Who do you say that I am? And then we've talked about how important it is. Who do you say that Jesus is? And the disciples have chosen to follow Jesus. They put their faith in him. They understand who he is, that he's the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the Christ. And they've chosen to follow him. And he's um, been pointing his teaching more towards them as his disciples and what it means to be a disciple. Um, while at the same time, continuing to challenge the people that hadn't chosen him to choose him. And that ultimately time was running out. And that a decision needed to be made. Last week, we introduced Luke chapter 15. And I said that Luke 15 and 16 put a whole new perspective 
on what really matters. And that in these two chapters, what we find out is that for God, people are the prize. It's all about people. Um, and the Pharisees had it backwards. They used people. But, but God told his disciples that's not how it's supposed to be. This is all about people. People are the prize. People are the goal. People. And so um, this needs to become uh, what we understand is the heart of God. That we're to love God above everything else. With all our mind, whole, mind, soul, heart, and strength. And that we're to love others, uh, our neighbors as ourselves. And so um, this is the, the heart of the gospel. And so um, Luke 15 has some of those great stories. Um, the, the prodigal was in that one, or the parable of the loving fathers, I called it. The, the, the lady who lost a coin and swept until she found it. It reminded me of the story of the guy who dropped a quarter in, in uh, he was, he was looking for it, and he was out on the street looking for it, and, and he was underneath the street light, and he said, his friend, is that where you dropped your quarter? He said, no, but the light's better here. But that's not even, that's not the issue. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, the shepherd that lost his sheep and left the 99 to go find the 100, and we, we talked about, uh, you know, that, 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 that's the heart. See, it was, it was the lost things that were found that were a big deal. And we, we get this picture of shepherd uh, all the time. So Luke 16, uh, again, talks about people being the prize, and yet there's some interesting stories in getting there, and that's what we're going to cover today. And uh, so let's look at Luke chapter 16 together. Only 31 verses. Uh, I will read them to you. It made for a nice big font in your bulletins, which is a good thing. Well, if you brought your Bibles, you can open those to Luke chapter 16. And uh, let's pick it up in verse 1. <clears throat> Jesus told his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, How much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Then he asked the second, How much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, Take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth. Who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. 
He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery. And the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed. So that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over there from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, there's some interesting stuff in chapter 16, as there is in all of the books. And they'll make you go, huh. Sometimes. Huh. So, I don't feel like explaining any of it tonight. Let's call it a night and get out of here. <laughs> okay. Um, again, hold into context that the, the whole um, focus of Luke 15 and 16 is that people are the prize. For God, people are the objective. It's all about people. The, the Pharisees have lost the heart and the compassion of God, and they just don't care about people. And that ultimately, at this point, Jesus is clearly telling his disciples what matters most, and he's making a clear contrast against what the Pharisees have been doing. And, and this, this is sort of what you have to remember. This is like the big statement. The Pharisees used people to gain things. The disciples of Jesus need to use things to gain the good for people. And that's the heart of these stories. And that's the difference. It's about people. People are the prize. And, and that um, with this understanding then, you begin to see how, what these stories are all about. Because the story of the shrewd manager can be quite confusing. Because it looks like that being dishonest is a good thing somehow in that particular story. And that's not the deal. He's not being commended for being dishonest by the master in that story. The heart of the story 
is that he figured out what mattered most, and, and even though he didn't go about it the right way, um, rather than using people to gain things, he was using things to help people. And there's a significant um, um, point to that. that. That's what you have to begin to realize is, is happening there. See, um, Jesus talks in that whole story about worldly wealth. And the Pharisees, it says, were lovers of money. And because they were lovers of money, they didn't care about people. They just didn't. So, so the, the thing is, in every situation, we have to figure out um, what's to be used and what's to be gained. And we always need to be motivated by the understanding that people always have greater value than things. People always have greater value than things. Now, if, if you go, well, see, of course, that's obvious. See, it's, it seems obvious because it sounds right, but it's not how the culture operates. Because we live in a culture that has a messed up value system. And by and large, they always value things over people. Almost always. They, they get what, to do whatever they think they need to do to get what they want is what they'll do. They don't care about people. They'll jump on top of you and run over you and get whatever it is they think, because that's the goal, see? That's the prize. That's, that's what they're after, is, is things. And, and Jesus says you can't serve two masters. And so um, you'll, you'll either be mastered by your love for others, or you'll be mastered by your love for things. If you're mastered by your love for things, you'll end up using people to get them. That's what will happen. And that's the heart of this story. That's, that's what needed to be said. And, and there's this whole thing in life where um, it's kind of the big um, ultimate divider uh, in, in your spiritual life is, is, is money, gets, money becomes an issue that has to be dealt with. Because we, we get fixed on money. And it gets in the way of what really matters, which is our relationship with God and others. But it's this big component of life in the natural. See, we have this idea, if you have money, then you've got everything. But it's not, it's not really the reality. Culturally, it looks like it's true, but it's not. You can have all the money that there is, and the Bible says forfeit your soul. You really don't have anything. That's the story at the end of Luke 16 we're going to look at in a minute. And so, so it's this, it's this eye-opening struggle for the people of God, that, that ultimately what we have to do is learn to trust God, and then, and then money, um, as long as money's not your master, it's fine. As long as money serves you and you're not it, everything's going to be fine. And there's a big difference. And, and you've heard me say that before. It's not about stuff and even anything. Things aren't bad unless you're serving them. If they master you, they're bad. How do you know if you're serving your things? If you spend all your time taking care of your things instead of your things taking care of you, it's upside down. Get rid of some things. Because it, it's, you're not enjoying them. And so there's this, but there's this mind process that we have to go through, that we have to move into, because until we break through, we, we always have the potential of using people to get things. And it, it never ends up being the way God would have us go. So this is, this is the big part of this beginning chapter. And it was where the Pharisees, because they'd gotten very comfortable, they'd gotten to where they really liked their things, 
And they didn't care about people anymore. And they just used people to get things. And so they, that was the whole process. And that's why they had lost touch. And, and why there was such a big problem. Um, the, so the Pharisees get the message. But they ridicule Jesus because they love money. See, he's really messing with them now. Because see, that, that, a lot of people are okay with a lot of stuff until you mess with their money. And they're like, well, no, no, no. Don't mess with my money. I've heard it said that your wallet is the last thing on you that gets saved. <laughs> I probably read a story just the other day. Somebody gets saved and he wants to get baptized, which is what you do when you get saved. You need to get baptized. And the preacher said, let's do it now. And he, the guy's so excited, he just goes and he jumps and he gets baptized right there on the spot. And, and he said, oh, pastor, I, I left my wallet in my pocket, my... My wallet's dripping wet. And the pastor said, good, we need some more baptized wallets in the church. <laughs> they're bad jokes, I know, but they're just there in my brain. I have to get them out. So that's the problem. Now, so, the, so here's the Pharisees ridiculing Jesus. Because they're, they're, now they feel like he's messing with their money. Which is the bottom line of all this. Is, is what happens is they just don't want to let go of their stuff, their position, their power, their authority. That's why they fight Jesus to the death, ultimately, to get rid of him. They, they, they get that what he's doing is from God. They just don't want to give up their stuff. They'd rather have their stuff in their way than let God be God in their lives. And that's the struggle. And so, Jesus, as they ridicule him, as they're ridiculing Jesus, he turns the discussion to the law, see, because this is the big thing that they stand on. They're the ones that uphold the law. They're the ones that teach the law. They're the ones that do the law. They're doing it. They're doing the right thing. And that's where their pride is. See, that's the entire place where the Pharisees have prided themselves where we're the keepers and the followers of the law. And, and how dare you speak a word against us? And, and yet, in, in doing, they've missed the heart of the whole process. And, and what's ironic is the very law that they claim to uphold is what condemns them in the, in the whole process. And Jesus begins to explain that. Because they're, they're missing the heart of the law, which is love God, love your neighbor as yourself. He's already told them what matters most. And that's not what they're doing at all. And so they're, they're taking their pride in that and they're saying, you know, look at us. We're the ones who, who are doing this. And they miss the point. And, and then comes in this thing, this really uh, statement that seems a little out of place. Talking about adultery in the midst of that context. Seems like a weird thing. One statement. And, and why is it in there? People ask that all the time because they'll zero in on that one little statement. Oh, what's that mean? Well, Jesus is giving an example as to how they've condemned themselves by the twisting of the law. Because they understand, as the upholders of the law, that adultery is not okay. And so what they've done is, if they decide that there's a woman they want to be with, and they've made this okay for everybody, well then just divorce the one you've got for no good reason, so you can then you're not committing adultery. That's the whole process. And Jesus is getting back to the heart of it. You've missed the heart of the whole thing. If, if your intent is to commit adultery and you work out a, what you think is a loophole to do it, that's what you've done. You've still messed up the law. That's the point of the story. Now, people take this in and get messed up, and we live in a broken world and things happen. It's, it's always the intent of your heart that is the issue. And, and so their, their intent was to figure out a way to break the law and act like they weren't. And, and seriously, if that's your intent, you have issues you need to work with. If you're trying to figure out how to break the law, and remember, there's grace and everything, but if your intent is, 
that's where you're going to have to struggle out with God. But, but there's grace, there's mercy, there's new starts, there's new beginnings. Hang on to that. Remember that text in, in this passage of Scripture is Jesus making a point so that they get it. You act like you've got it all figured out, but you'll do whatever you want to do and you'll, make it, you'll try and make it look right. And we know that's not how we're supposed to live, right? I mean, don't, we know as believers that what we're supposed to do is try and do the next right thing. We will mess up. And then we go back to God and we ask for forgiveness. We don't look for loopholes. See, now i got another bad joke in my head. <laughs> and I don't know why it's happening so f- frequently tonight. But I read this thing about W.C. Fields, who was an atheist, but at the end of his life he was reading the Bible. And somebody asked him, why are you reading the Bible? And he said, just looking for loopholes. <laughs> looking for loopholes. You might not know W.C. Fields, but some of you did. Um... That was the whole thing, see? And, and so their very actions condemned them in the process. They were missing being reconciled to God because of what Jesus was going to do at the cross. See, that's what all of us need because all of us have messed up and sinned. None of us can stand on a soapbox and say, look at us. Look at what we've done. Because we haven't done it apart from the Lord. What, what the heart of the righteous cry is, look what he's done. Look what he's done. Look what he's done. And, and that's, the, that's the difference. That's, the, that's what Jesus is, is going back with to them. You, you, you just twist it to, to work for you, and, and you don't care about people. You, you just dismiss people when they no longer meet whatever it is you think they ought to meet. Boop, they're gone, and you make it try and act like you're righteous in the process. That's the issue. It's not about rules and regulations. It's a, and, and form, it's about love. It's always about love. It's got to be at the center of it. Or we'll just be self-righteous. And, and we've talked about that a lot. And so, um, love God, love your neighbor has to be the heart of what we do. And then in, in Luke 16 through 19 through 31, there's this story of the rich man and Lazarus. And uh, the rich man is obviously a rich man. We don't know his name. Lazarus was a beggar uh, who would have been right there, the... The rich man knew who Lazarus was and apparently just walked by him all of their lives and never bothered to care about him, see what he could do to help, offer a little assistance, a kind word, nothing. Which would have been the heart of the gospel, right? The heart of the message. Love God, love others. What can we do to help? And so the story then is that in death, um, the rich man is, is tormented in hell and... Lazarus, who obviously, even in his plight, had figured out what mattered most. Um, he's there with Abraham, and he's experiencing the blessing in, in, in that place. And so, uh, you know, the, the rich man says, can you just send Lazarus over to put, dip some cool water on my tongue so I can get cooled off here a little bit? And Abraham says, no, that's not how it works. Here's a great chasm. It separates us. And he goes, well, could you at least send Lazarus back from the dead? Sort of in a Christmas carol moment, if you've ever seen that movie. And, and uh, have him warn my brothers, because, you know, I don't want to see them go through torment like this uh, in the process. And the answer from Abraham is clear. I, I want to read it to you, Luke 16, uh, 29 and following. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, 
they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Now, we know this to be a true statement because we know, in fact, that Jesus, when he rose from the dead, did still not sway the Pharisees, as far as we know. And he wasn't the only evidence. We have another Lazarus who comes back from the dead that was witnessed. Still didn't change him. Nothing. They don't get it. They don't want to get it. They want what they want. They don't care ultimately about people, about God. That's the, see, that's the ultimate deal. They don't get the heart of the law. They don't love God first and foremost. And they don't love other people. And so they miss the entire deal. And so we always have to make sure, again, love God with everything that you got. Just pursue Him with everything that you got. And in the process, make sure that that pursuit in you makes you love others. Because if your pursuit of God isn't causing you to love others, something's not quite right. If the ultimate fruit of loving God isn't the love for others, something's not right. And you just need to keep checking out and figure out what it is. And, and that's the heart of Luke 16. People are the prize. The, the heart of the law and the gospel is love God and love others in, in the process. And that's what matters. And that's what's really going on in Luke chapter 16. And I have run through... All the time we have again. So, there you go. If you're watching my video, thank you for watching. And uh, uh, if you're up in Williston, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon. We'll be praying for you. And uh, they'll pray for you up there. We're going to go ahead and close with prayer here.